Welcome to The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis. I am your host, Cicely Davis. Well, no surprise here, it's case closed for the cocaine culprit at the White House as Secret Service closes its investigation without conducting interviews. An MSNBC columnist makes an idiotic claim that physical fitness is an evil trick used by white supremacists to recruit supporters. As someone who works out seven days a week, I'm excited to tackle this foolery. And finally, what happened to us? I'll share some of my personal thoughts to the cultural decline here in the U.S., with the hope to provoke us all to think and take action to work our way back to a healthy society. All that and more coming up on The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis. You know, deciding to do a podcast, um, sharing my thoughts and my opinions and sharing bits and pieces of my life and offering my take on our culture in this climate today is truly, truly um, one of the greatest challenges of my life. Yes, yes, I was a congressional candidate in Minnesota's 5th Congressional District. Yes, in a district that was 19 plus blue leaning, um, where six out of the 10 voters were Democrats. Yes, in a district that hadn't voted or had a Republican congressman since 1963. And yes, I said congressman, and I'm not correcting it or taking it back. And yes, I spent countless hours dialing for dollars and soliciting donations and seeking financial support and challenging my opponent, Ilhan Omar, to countless debates to which she failed to respond. And I attended events and fundraisers, and I walked in every single parade in my district and some in others. And I attended all BPOUs and caucuses, and I appealed to delegates and prepped for the congressional convention. And I even got prepared, really, really prepared for the big state convention. And still, still, this broadcast is a greater challenge because as a candidate, you learn that your thoughts, all your thoughts should not be shared right? Because it's really truly about what you can and will do for the people in which you're trying to serve and for your district. It's not about your personal agenda. Um, Someone should tell a lot of the candidates there in Washington. Um, And while the broadcast, however, it's a personal decision. It's literally a decision to share your thoughts and to truly, truly do so, to share your thoughts truly and genuinely in spite of who may or may not agree for the sake of evoking conversation and thought, and most importantly for me, to evoke action, um, to be and to make change. Um, so it's been a true honor. It's been really great. So before we get started, I'm going to say what I always say and make that ask. Please subscribe and share and leave a positive review so that we can continue to do this. And make this podcast about really, truly taking action and getting our society back. So with that being said, let's get into it. So this this cocaine fiasco at the Biden White House. So you all know the Secret Service announced it has closed the investigation into this ridiculous, ridiculous cocaine um, into the White House. Who indeed left the cocaine? 
Apparently, we will never know. There was a small packet of cocaine, as you know, left, an illegal substance, mind you, in the White House, and they found no culprit. Guess we'll never know. A spokesman for the agency, this highly effective, protective, qualified, resource-rich agency, said they closed the investigation without conducting any interviews. Right. So these are supposed to be the most skilled um, service people of the country. Right. Highly skilled in protection and surveillance. Um, and knowing the ins and outs of the White House to keep it safe and protect it from internal and external um, threats. Now, keep in mind that uh, we had a lot of people weighing in on this, of course. Dan Bongino, he tweeted something. Now, Dan Bongino, remind everyone, is a former Secret Service agent himself, and he tweeted this. There's absolutely zero chance any other than a family member brought that cocaine inside the White um, House complex. No chance that it would make it past the MAG security checkpoints. Family bypasses those. Now, folks, you're going to have to make a decision for yourself in this moment. You're going to have to decide who and what to believe in this case. Do you want to believe Dan Bongino and your common sense instincts and what they tell you? Or do you want to believe this crack cocaine, barisma, corn pop, you ain't black, God save the queen, come on, man, administration, and what they report? I mean, they were able, keep this in mind, they were able to identify people from a mile away from the Capitol by partial face recognition to bring suspects to question for January 6th. I think this past week, a, a serial killer from over 10 years um, was caught from DNA off a pizza box. Okay. They found him a serial killer, but someone who actually physically smuggled cocaine into the white house with constant surveillance, a constant watch by security at that door, watching that portion of the West Wing, okay, and constant surveillance by way of camera, couldn't find out, couldn't figure out, and certainly not report to the American people who smuggled cocaine into the White House. I mean, somehow this renders the case inconclusive. I mean, this just doesn't pass the smell test, doesn't smell right to me. And to be quite honest with you, kind of smells like a burning crack pipe. But anyway, is this where we are today? Is this what we have? Is this the administration that represents America, represents the American people here and abroad? This is what we're supposed to reelect for another four years, another term? You know, there used to be a time when we respected certain things, certain institutions, certain people. We would hold them and respect them and hold them in high regard, right? Like, for instance, church. You come in on time, no swearing, right? You use your best language, your best behavior. You stay awake. You bow your head for prayer. You revere God Almighty with the highest regard, right? In school, you respected your teacher. You raised your hand and waited to be called on. 
kids walked in line in single file. Remember when the principal was the school big cheese and you felt special if he or she knew your name and, and spoke to you. Our seniors and our elders, we listen to their stories and we would help them with various activities like heavy lifting or complicated involved projects. And we would visit and call them often and solicit their perspective and their advice and address them as sir and ma'am. Police officers, we respected the uniform. Remember that? To comply with lawful orders, simple ones like show me your driver's license, pull over, show me your insurance and registration, court, you show up early, you dress your best, have your all your needed and relative paperwork, you address the judge as your honor. Now the White House, okay, another institution that we used to hold in high regard, but now, I've never been to the White House, okay? But when I get there, I guess now with today's standards and this administration and the model that they have left, I guess I can show up with an eight ball and a big fat blunt in my purse now that um, I would never do such a thing and not necessarily get past security, but at least now because of the example that's been you know, led by this administration, no one could really fault me or kind of shun me for that. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. What an embarrassment. What a shame. How disrespectful to even think, to have a mindset, to bring cocaine, illegal drugs into our White House. I guess this is where we are. It's just absolutely shameful. But, you know, I'm moving on. Um, so this next one uh, is really about um, something that MSNBC actually made a decision to re-engage in. Um, it's referring to an article that was actually written in March of 2022. And this one's interesting. I mean, any network that keeps Al Sharpton on as a significant voice and personality, this shouldn't surprise anyone that this noxious BS um, would come up something like this. But I think it's very, very relative to this past weekend when um, Donald Trump got a standing ovation um, at the White House. But anyway, so not sure if you all heard about this, but MSNBC columnist by the name of Cynthia Miller Idris, um, who is a frequent columnist and contributor to CNN and MSNBC, New York Times, The Hill, Washington Post, and so on, is also a professor professor and serves on the International Advisory Board of the Center for Research on Extremism, otherwise known as CREX, in Oslo and in Norway. According to an article by Daily Wire in a claim made in March of 2022, referencing Adolf Hitler, that physical fitness is an evil trick used by white supremacists to recruit supporters. Now, the reason that this is resurfacing is what I mentioned before is because MSNBC retweeted that from that article last Monday that the far right has taken advantage of pandemic at-home fitness trends to expand its decade-plus radicalization of physical mixed martial arts, MMA, and combat sports spaces. Now, we had various people um, just kind of weigh in on this because this notion is absolutely ridiculous. And people are just basically laughing at this, like, really? Are you serious? 
Elon Musk and Joe Rogan were probably the most recognizable voices because they had the maybe the strongest reactions. And they both weighed in on Twitter on this. Musk wrote, MSNBC thinks a Nazi thinks you're a Nazi if you work out. L-M-A-O-O-O. Adding that parody and reality are becoming indistinguishable. And Joe Rogan tweeted, being healthy is far right, holy, I will say, exploitive, beginning with an F. (laughs) Um, But basically, everyone's just recognizing that this is absolutely ridiculous, particularly people like a Joe Rogan, who is a um, fitness fanatic. Of course, this would not rub them the right way. And same with me. So Miller Idris declared that new recruits to the far right movement are lured with health tips and strategies for positive physical changes. And she goes on to say that researchers say that recruits are then invited to closed chat groups. She cites Hitler's Mein Kampf saying that the dictator's writings showed he was fixated on boxing and jujitsu, believing they could help him create an army of millions whose aggressive spirit and impeccably trained bodies combined with fanatical love of the fatherland of the fatherland. I'm sorry. And I quote the intersects of extremism and fitness leans into a shared obsession with the male body training, masculinity, testosterone, strength, and competition. And she also goes on to state, Physical fitness training, especially in combat sports, appeals to the far right for many reasons. Fighters are trained to accept significant physical pain, to be warriors, and to embrace messaging around solidarity, heroism, and brotherhood. It's championed as a tool to help fight the coming race war and the street battles that will precede it. Okay, so a couple of things. (laughs) Okay, first, there's not going to be a race war. Okay, there's just not going to be a race war. And I hate to break it to all the far left extremists and the racists and the ex-Panthers and the white progressive liberals, etc. It's just not going to happen. There's not going to be a race war. Now, that might be some people have this theory that there will be a civil war here, but I guarantee it won't be based upon race. It'll be based upon ideals, but definitely not race. And besides, if there were, you're going to want to be on the right side. You're going to want to be on the right side and you're going to want to be on the right side, respectively, conservative Republican. Um, And I'm telling you this because I know, first off, basically what I'm saying is, and I know by experience that no one, no one can outshoot or outskill a white American male with a gun. Okay. I'm married to one. (laughs) maybe there are some gangsters out there, some gang members out there that think they have some skills because of the violence they know or because of the violence they've seen or maybe a lot of the violence they've committed. But I guarantee you, especially in the case of a country, rural-bred white man is unmatched. He's unmatched when it comes to gun skills. First of all, they would die before they even part with their guns, okay? They just as soon die than give up or part with their guns. And second, 
they've had guns at a very, very, very young age. Okay. And ask any hunter, ask any hunting man when he first held or owned or fired a gun. And I guarantee you, he'll give you a very young, young age when they've been exposed to them. I mean, they essentially went from their mother's breast to firing a gun, a gun, and not necessarily in that order. Okay. But (laughs) I'm just saying, seriously, don't hope for a race war. And, uh, I just guarantee you that that side, any side that believes in the second amendment and has the equipment and the mindset and the skill set to back it up, that side wins period. And I'm on their side. Okay. So there's just not going to be this whole notion of a race war. It's going to be because of ideals. Um, and a, just a serious fight to maintain our republic. Okay, so it's going to be about ideologues. It's certainly not going to be race because there is no racism in this country. You have to just let it go. Um, by the way, those people that I described, okay, those hunters, those people who, you know, have guns, lots of guns, they hunt and, you know, kind of that, that person that's just dealt with guns their whole lives. These, by the way, in my experience, are also the most respectful and the safest when it comes to gun laws and gun safety. That's been my experience. My husband with my son and their friends and their friends and and others that I know, they are respectful to the gun laws. They're also very, very respectful when it comes to gun safety. And so I just wanted to make sure that I put that out there. That's really important. But second, um, this... uh, I'm trying to go back to what she was referring to in that article. Share obsession with the male body training. Yeah. Obsession with the male body training, masculinity, testosterone, strength and competition. Men who can endure significant physical pain. They're warriors. They embrace messaging around solidarity heroism, and brotherhood. Okay. Uh, Here's what I have to say to that. Sign me up. Sign me up for that. I mean, she's talking about me. I, she's referring to people like me. Okay. I like men who are obsessed with the male body (laughs) and who are physical and who can endure high bouts of physical pain, right? They believe in and embrace messaging around solidarity and heroism and brotherhood. Okay, let me go on record. As a girly, stiletto-wearing, lipstick, and flawless, diamond-loving, red-blooded American female, that sounds good to me. As a matter of fact, that's the kind of man I'm married to. And I hope that there are other women out there married to that kind of guy as well, or at least seeking to date that kind of guy. That's the kind of guy you want. That's the kind of man who built and laid the foundation for this amazing country. It's the kind of man who leads his household and he protects and serves in our streets here at home and in the military and in in service to our country. It's a strong, healthy, red-blooded American male that, and we need more of them. Okay. Let me go on record. We need more of that guy that she's describing. Personally, I work out seven days a week. Okay. I work out seven days a week. I'm a runner. I love being physical. And when I want to switch it up, sometimes I'll do a hit cardio and some kind of combination of cardio and lifting, but I'm a seven day a week 
person who I work out seven days a week. I'm very physical that way. I just believe. And working out for me is a personal standard. It's to care for and to hold my health and my life in high regard because without your health, your life is of very poor quality. And the world could use a whole lot more of that kind of guy and use a whole lot less of obese, out of shape, blue, green, purple, orange, and yellow-haired, video game playing, hairy, unshowered, stank, musty, far-left progressive males and females who find it too cumbersome to bless our society with a daily shower and a maintained haircut. Okay, let me go on record to say that. Give me that physically fit extremist every time, and that is all I have to say about that. I mean, what she's describing is not an issue, right? I really do think, though, as I wrap this up, that because Donald Trump was just at the MMA and he received a standing ovation um, and Joe Rogan and he were clearly, you know, not necessarily together, but Joe Rogan joined in on it and Joe Rogan is very popular and he's not necessarily on the right. I think they're feeling very threatened. And so, you know, they retweeted from this columnist and this article that came from March of 2022. So they're just feeling very threatened right now. So they can go poo poo because that's the kind of male that we actually need back in our society. And uh, finally, um, as I mentioned, everyone, I kind of thought about some things. I was just in conversation, kind of someone struck up a conversation that was um, basically, as you know, every generation tends to talk about the previous generation as if they're worse off than they, you know, the generation you in is obviously better than the one that's underneath and things like that. So someone kind of asked this question um, and I was talking in a group of kind of what happened to us or how did they get this way, right? The next generation. And so, you know, it's kind of a question and kind of put me into this kind of deep thought. And I wanted to end it with this. Um, and it's called, or at least in my head, it was past the point of reason. Okay. Past the point of reason. I just, I just have some questions to evoke some thought and maybe you'll pass this on in conversation or think about this yourself or think about what I'm about to say and see if you identify in any way or know someone who sounds like this. If you're part, maybe someone who's like this or have done this or participate in this or remember some of these things, or maybe it's nostalgic for you where you can kind of think back and remember. But I just want to take you on this and kind of get you to question what happened to us and are we past the point of reason? And I just, that's how I want to start. Like what happened to us? And I, I really am asking, I honestly don't know. And I wish I did. Then the solutions would be easier to find, but I'm going to give you some things to just think about today. Some ideas that may help explain a theory or at least a theory that I have. I would offer to pinpoint the exact date that America changed in my mind. And that date is September 11th, 2001. Since that date, America has never been the same. We became a fearful nation and we've never recovered. How many of you remember the shock of that day? How many of you felt vulnerable? I remember sitting in an Irish pub where people had gone to watch the news as, as it was unfolding. And I remember the silence and disbelief. 
And then I remember a man carrying a U.S. flag over his shoulder and people cheered when he walked in. And then they shifted back to silence because nobody knew what to do. How many of you called your family members? Do you remember the conversations? How many of you hugged your children and tried to explain what happened? And what did you tell your kids? See, because I think it's here, I think that our cultural issues began and it was with us. And perhaps it's always been with us. Regrets, I have a few. (laughs) Oh, but seriously, let's go back a minute. Think about this. In 1995, we had the Oklahoma City bombing. This included, this was 680 injuries, 168 deaths, including 19 children in a daycare. In 1999, we had the Columbine High School shooting where 13 students were murdered and 24 people were injured. The seeds of fear were being planted. Oh, and I forgot one other event. The internet. Consider that in 1993, the internet had just 130 websites. And then by 1995, the internet and the World Wide Web had clearly taken hold and Netscape, the browser of choice, had over 10 million users. America was changing and all it needed was something to push us into the abyss. Sadly, in 2001, September of 2001, our greatest fears became a reality in the 9-11 attack. We realized we were truly vulnerable. And even though we should have known it all along, I mean, terrorists did bomb the World Trade Center first in 1993, and yet we somehow believe it wouldn't happen again. But it did happen again, and it shook us to our core. More precisely, to our core values. We question our place in the world. Our position as a world power seemed in jeopardy. We were under attack by an enemy that we couldn't easily identify. We were being hated for our very own belief system, and we became fearful. And we began to control and protect what was closest to us, our children. And here is where we may have failed. Okay, now before you get defensive, I know the point I'm trying to make doesn't necessarily apply to everyone. Maybe. Some of you took to heart the 2002 Toby Keith song, courtesy of the red, white, and blue, and raised your kids right. I mean, you remember the lines, America girls and American guys will always stand up and salute. We'll always recognize when we see old glory flying. There's a lot of men dead so we can sleep in peace at night when when we lay down our head. This was a song from Toby Keith's heart, and it made a lot of Americans proud. I felt proud when I first heard it. It was a song that made you want to fight. The song was labeled as controversial, and Toby Keith didn't give a damn. He said that it was what was in his heart, and it was in the hearts of a lot of Americans. But not everyone felt the same way. Some felt the song promoted more hate. The Dixie Chits, for one, and look how that turned out for them. So not everyone wanted to fight. Not everyone felt drawn to the American cause. Some even felt that somehow we had brought the attack on ourselves. That if we had turned the other cheek or offered a sign of acknowledgement, we could protect ourselves from further attacks. We became fearful. 
So what I'm saying is that with that fear of the unknown, people began to protect and isolate their children to hold them free from the harms of the world. We specifically took the human experience and made it into something that had to be controlled instead of it being an organic experience. We wanted to control outcomes to protect our children from emotional distress. However, in our efforts to do so, we created fragile souls. We have made them unable to navigate the realities of living, like expecting a glass house to survive a hurricane. Not only will, where are they ill-equipped to survive the trauma of life, they're also less able to rebuild and grow from that trauma. We raised our children in a cocoon to protect them from our own fear of the unknown. And yet our children were exposed to a world filled with stress and fear abductions, school shootings, bullying, sexual assault, fear of being homeless. Let's not ignore the Great Recession of 2007 through 2009. By 2010, 4 million Americans had lost homes to foreclosure and 8 million jobs were lost. The stress on American families hadn't been this high since World War II. Does any of this strike a chord with you? If you were working class or small business owner, these were terrifying times. There were no bailouts for small businesses. There was no relief payments like there were during the COVID pandemic. American families were on their own and millions lost everything. As middle American families were being erased, we began parenting in fear. Millions of parents began trying to save their children from the knowledge of failure. Overindulgence became commonplace making sure our children were always in a comfortable or protective environment and not setting proper parental child boundaries became the norm. Many children ended up with a best friend and not a parent. Our own deep desire to believe we could control the outcome removed our children's ability to rationally reason and fully navigate in the natural world. Reason is the ability to assess things rationally by applying logic based on new or existing information to solve a problem. Reasoning helps you solve problems. It helps you handle uncertainty, verify claims, and assess situations to ensure you make decisions that are in your best interest. Okay, so let me just pull this all together. When we surrender our ability to reason, we step closer to conformity. And while conformity can be a good or bad, it's bad when it leads to bad outcomes and people stop thinking for themselves. When we surrender our ability to reason for the desire to feel safe and protected, we've chosen to let others reason so as to protect our outcome. The adults we have raised are still looking for someone to protect them, to guarantee their outcome, to provide them with economic security, to validate their insecurities, and the rationale is, if the parents can't provide it, perhaps the government should or will. For the government to be your parent, what would it ask? It would ask for conformity. So what are the pros and cons of conformity? Conformity helps maintain social order. It facilitates cooperation and it reduces conflict. For example, being quiet in a library and disposing of trash and waiting in line and standing for the anthem are examples of positive conformity. 
But what are those cons? Cons of conformity. I'm glad you asked. So happy to share with you. So when you think of the COVID mask mandates, how do you feel? Let's use the three categories of conformity to explain this. Identification, compliance, and internalization. Again, fear is a great motivator. The government moved many people to conformity just based on fear. Others were bullied into conformity while still others fully embraced the belief of masking and treated it as a new religion. And what about reasoning? What about deductive reasoning? Well, it wasn't allowed. Not in the new masking world. Not even when other doctors and scientists contradicted it. The government labeled masking opponents as the anti-science lobby. Okay, and so, so what about now? Now that we know that masking had little to no impact on COVID transmission, and despite the CD's admitted mistake to their scientific evidence for masking, still some deny to this day the truth, largely because the CDC has been reluctant to admit it itself. The phrase, follow the science, was just a threat to a larger lie. It's an example of coerced conformity. So this example exposes the negative aspects of conformity in society, that it restricts personal freedom, may lead to group thinking, can lead to negative outcomes, and no one is allowed to speak out or is threatened when they do so. As citizens, we all conform to some extent or another to be a part of society. But what happens when that society changes to a point of being unrecognizable? when the rules of morality and law are swept away into a groupthink of woke implausibilities. And if we aren't on our way to pass the point of reason, how do you explain these recent events? Events that are ignored and dismissed by the general media. See, it's, it's reasonable to assume that we have a society that's being groomed to accept unreasonable behavior, not only accept it, but applaud it. Okay, so buckle up, buttercup. Here we go. Let me just give you some examples of what I'm talking about. A mass group of transillas chanting, we are coming for your children. A trans woman bearing her breasts at the White House reception. In the history of the White House, please tell me what other administration this has happened in. Cocaine is found in the White House, and nobody knows how it got there. Hunter Biden cuts a sweet deal on tax evasion and gun charges and shows up at a White House state dinner days later. And this was just a big F you to the American people. And I kept waiting for the outrage. Crickets. California Reparations Committee seeks $600 billion in compensation. Meanwhile, between 7 to 10 million men, women, and children are currently living in servitude in Africa. Portland defunded the police to the tune of $15 million, legalized most drug possession, and experienced a surge in murder and overdoses. Who indeed could have ever seen that coming? Now, Chicago reports murder rates are down 9% from 2022. Of course, they less report that the murder rate is up 78% from 2019. 
baby steps. Jeffrey Epstein's list of clients is still largely a mystery. The date that they're released, I'm sure we'll have an alien sighting. The Bud Light CEO claims that boycott is harming employees. We should think about the families, he told us. But wasn't that his job? So past the point of reason, it's beginning to feel that way, but we can't allow it. We cannot allow it. I won't accept it. We've got to get back to reason, and we've got to bring reason back into fashion. I urge you, I implore you, if you have kids today or grandkids, you need to be a role model for them. And I mean a role model, not a soapbox preacher. We need to stand firm in raising mentally strong children who are equipped to raise America back from the depths to which it's sinking. Try starting with this. Stop the victim mentality. As parents, find a life outside your kids. Ouch, somebody just got hurt on that one. Show your kids that fear doesn't make choices, at at least usually not good ones. Who's the boss? When it comes to parenting, it better be you. Chores are good teachers. They teach kids to accept responsibility. Stop correcting your kids' homework. Let them make mistakes. Teach discipline, not punishment. Teach them values. Teach them how to look for the bigger picture in life. And wrapping it all together, I would say this. Raising children without the ability to navigate through the trials of everyday life can lead to an existence of perpetually perceived victimhood, which in turn can lead to the safety net of conformity and groupthink. Without the ability to rationalize and a desire to not rock the boat, they will deny the evidence of their own senses for fear of punishment or ostracization. I'll go back to my first podcast when I said, we have to start with us. We must be willing to admit some savage truths about the young adults of today and where they came from but we must march forward. The past is just that. So past the point of reason, not if we're willing to point out the absurdities and demand a call for reason. We need to stand firm in our faith. We need to stand proudly by our convictions. America is the greatest country on earth. It's the greatest nation on earth. It is our duty to speak of it proudly. We need to focus on its greatness and not its failures. We need to surround ourselves with like-minded individuals. We need to focus on action. And voting is action. We are the majority. Don't believe we're not. Stop trying to debate your family and your friends and your neighbors. Here are some our alternative ideas I have. Take your kids or your grandkids to a historical fam- on a historical family vacation. We have a lot of national parks and try Gettysburg for a suggestion. Buy or loan someone a book on George Washington, George S. Patton, or Davy Crockett, or Daniel Boone, or Abraham Lincoln. Give them a reason to believe in America again. I assure you, they are more likely to read it than they are to listen to you. Like it or not, that's a savage truth. I leave you with this quote from General George S. Patton. 
moral courage is the most valuable and usually the most absent characteristic in men. So with that, I say, be bold, be strong, be patriotic, and be true. Please like and share and subscribe and leave a positive review. And until next time, everyone, thank you for listening. I'm Cicely Davis. The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis is a production of Front Page Magazine and the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Reproduction of this podcast without express written consent is prohibited.